Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hello and happy Advent to you all. I have just returned from Canada. I was in Calgary, Alberta this weekend for a wonderful marriage conference and met so many wonderful couples, young couples, newly married, couples getting ready for marriage, couples who've been married 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, and it was so so edifying to see these couples coming out to enrich their marriages. Uh, just a reminder that we should all take time. If you're married, take time. To, in, to invest in your marriage. Take time, if you can, to go on some kind of marriage retreat or read a good marriage book. Uh, I was so encouraged seeing uh, a couple hundred of these married couples coming out there uh, for, for a little tune-up, a little deepening in their married life, especially here in the middle of the busy Advent season. And that's what I want to turn our attention to today because did you know we're halfway through Advent already? Can you believe it? We already lit that second candle this weekend and we're approaching that third candle, which is the one that changes color. That's what I want to focus on in this week's podcast. It is Gaudate Sunday coming up around the corner. That's when we turn to the from the purple to the color rose. I know people call it pink, but technically it's a rose color, and, and it brings to mind the theme of joy. In fact, that's what the word Gaudate means, rejoice, and it brings to mind many of the, the great passages of the Old Testament where people and individuals and nations are called to rejoice in the Lord, uh, and I think of the blessed Virgin Mary, who is called to rejoice in the Lord as well. Let's take a time here now, a little bit of time to think about what is joy? Do you ever wonder about what that is? We all want it, but what exactly is joy? Uh, what's the difference between natural joy and spiritual joy? We're going to look at that. And what can we do to experience joy even when we're feeling kind of blue or when things aren't going well or things are a little challenging and we face obstacles and and suffering in life can we still experience joy can we even experience joy in the last weeks before christmas when we're so stressed out uh, i want to talk about that here today but first I want to turn to the great example of joy that we find in the Blessed Virgin Mary and her call to rejoice. So let's start there at the Annunciation. Let's begin considering Mary's call to rejoice. Let me set up the context for you like Luke does. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, he, he sets up the story about the angel's appearing to Mary at the Annunciation. He tells us that Mary's living in Nazareth. Um, and that, you know, Nazareth is just a very small, obscure village, just a, a couple hundred people living there in first century Judaism and not known for anything. Uh, so Mary's probably living a very quiet life. Uh, and she's described as being betrothed. Uh, that would tell us that she was at that first stage of marriage. Uh, betrothal wasn't engagement like we might think in the modern Western world. And, uh, betrothal was actually the first stage of marriage, meaning she already was in a legally bound covenant with Joseph. She's already married to Joseph. She's just not living with him yet. That comes at a second stage. Normally, uh, when husband and, or husband and wife become betrothed, they're living separately from each other. And then comes the second stage of, of a Jewish marriage, and that is the coming together when you would live under the same roof. So Mary is betrothed, meaning she's married to Joseph. She's just not living with him yet. And what's most fascinating is Mary would have been probably about 13, 14 years old. That's typically when a Jewish girl would be betrothed. So think about that. Do you know a 14-year-old? Could you imagine her being married right now? And could you imagine her carrying the son of God in her womb. So by our standards, this is pretty young, uh, but it was very common uh, to be betrothed at that age in Mary's time. 
I think what's most fascinating, however, the little detail Luke gives us about the this woman, Mary, is that she's betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And that's going to be important for us to understand Mary's call to rejoice by the angel Gabriel, because the house of David was not any ordinary family. If we were Jews in the first century and we were reading the story, we heard, Okay, someone from Nazareth, some woman, she's betrothed. Okay, that just seems humdrum details, just little background pieces of information. But when we would hear about her being betrothed to a man of the house of David, our ears would would be peaked. We would we would we would go, "Whoa, what is this about here? I wonder what's happening." Because the house of David wasn't any ordinary family. This was a royal family. God promised many great things would happen through the house of David. He promised David that he and his descendants would have an everlasting dynasty, a kingdom that would not end. Uh, and there were many prophecies about how this, this kingdom would extend its reign to all the nations. And uh, so there's a lot of great history and glory surrounding the house of David. But in Mary's time, the house of David wasn't doing too well. You see, in 586 BC, a good six centuries plus before Mary's lifetime, uh, the the house of David seemed to have fallen into shambles. Uh, the the foreign nation of Babylon came in, destroyed Jerusalem, carried the people off, and made them slaves. And ever since then, there had never been a son of David ruling over the people of Israel. So things seemed to be pretty dark. The dynasty was lying dormant, and yet God prophesied that one day a new son of David would come. A new king from David's line would rise up and he would liberate the people. He would bring peace. He would he would gather all the nations together to, once again in this one great kingdom. And so it was all this hope for this future son of David. He was associated with the hopes for a future anointed one or a Messiah that was going to come. So when we read that Mary of Nazareth, this betrothed woman, has become part of the house of David, that she's betrothed to a man of the house of David, that's really exciting. Maybe this will be the great family that will have the child that we've all been waiting for, the great son of David, the Messiah. And in fact, that's what we find out next. When we turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 28, what's the, what does the angel first say to Mary? What's his opening line? He says, hail, or some translations rejoice, and rejoice is a very good translation. In fact, uh, that's what the word gaudate means. That's what the, the Greek word kyre is what's being used here, the call to rejoice. And I want to tell you about this word biblically. This is a fascinating word because it's only used four times in the entire Old Testament. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, known as the Septuagint, that was popular in Jesus' day, the, the, this word Kyrie for rejoice that Gabriel uses was only used four times, and every single one of those four times, it's used to describe uh, the call of God's people to rejoice, particularly this figure of daughter Zion, to rejoice over the coming of a great king. Now, I want to talk about this, this idea of the daughter Zion being called to rejoice. Now, you're, some of you are wondering, who's Daughter Zion? Uh, I want to unpack this for you. Daughter Zion is a great theme among in the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, and Zion was a mountain on Jerusalem, mountain in, in Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem's often called Mount Zion. Uh, and what happened was the prophets used the imagery of, of Zion and personified it. 
talking about Jerusalem or Zion as a feminine figure, either a mother or a daughter figure. And they use this figure of Jerusalem, calling Jerusalem Lady Jerusalem or Daughter Jerusalem, Mother Jerusalem, uh, as a personification of all the faithful Jewish people, the remnant, the faithful Jews. And the prophets foretold that one day God was going to come and rescue Zion or rescue Lady Zion or Daughter Zion. In other words, rescue all the faithful people from their foreign oppressors. Uh, and in that day, when the Lord would come, he, there would be great rejoicing. All the faithful Jews personified by Daughter Zion would be called to rejoice. Why? Because they've been suffering for those six centuries, ever since Babylon destroyed them, and one nation after another after another has been ruling over them. For most of those six centuries, they did not have any autonomy, and they certainly did not have their king, their king from the house of David, to rule over them. But now, God is calling Zion, Lady Zion, Daughter Zion, to rejoice, because their sadness is going to turn to joy. Because the king is coming. The king is coming to them. So their sadness will be turned to joy. Their suffering is going to be turned to great rejoicing. I'm going to share with you uh, one of the prophecies, one you might be a little familiar with. It comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And you, you probably are going to remember this from the story of Palm Sunday. When Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He's fulfilling this prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, centuries before Christ. Zechariah foretold this event of Christ going into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. Listen to what Zechariah 9.9 says. Rejoice, there's that key word, Kyrie. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. So they're being called to rejoice. Jerusalem, Zion's being called to rejoice because the king is coming. And here's the key line. Humble and riding on an ass. On a colt, the foal of an ass. The idea, this is the whole idea of, 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 of the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 is that the king is going to come. The, 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 this great Davidic king is going to come to Jerusalem and there'll be great rejoicing. And when he comes, he's going to come riding on a donkey. Jesus fulfills that on Palm Sunday. But there's another prophecy I want to draw your attention to with daughter Zion. Another time in Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah chapter 3 uh, verse 14 and following, is similarly calling Zion to rejoice over the coming of the king. Listen to these words. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cast out your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. So do you catch that? Israel, daughter Zion, is called to rejoice. Why? Because the king of Israel is in your midst. The Lord is in your midst. And what I love about this imagery here is that the language Zephaniah uses here can be used to describe someone being in the midst of a city, like within the city walls. But it can also be used to describe a baby in the midst of his mother's womb. Do you see the connection here? When Gabriel addresses Mary and he says, Kyrie, rejoice or hail. This isn't just like, hey there, hi, how's it going? Or good morning. This isn't just an ordinary salutation. This is, isn't an ordinary greeting. This is the prophetic call of daughter Zion. Mary 
is now the fulfillment of these prophecies of daughter Zion. She is daughter Zion here. All of those hopes of daughter Zion to rejoice when the king comes in the midst. Mary is going to have that king in her midst, in her womb. Uh, uh, so it's just so beautiful that there's the prophet Zephaniah is prophetically foreshadowing here the idea of the king, the Lord, coming in the midst of his people, of God's people, but also coming in the midst of Mary's womb. Now, what does this have to do with us today? How do we share in this rejoicing? Because we're approaching this third Sunday of Advent, Gaudate Sunday, where we're called to rejoice. What is joy? What what is this joy that Mary was called to? What is this joy that we're called to? How do we live it out? Well, first of all, what is joy? According to the great theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas, natural joy is simply the fruit of love. It's one of the fruits of love. So uh, it's the emotion we experience when we're in the presence of someone we love. And that could be a romantic relationship. It could be a family member. It could be with your parents, with a sibling, with a child. It could be a close friend. Uh, When we're in the presence of someone we love, we experience great joy. Uh, We can also experience joy even when they're not physically present to us, when we just know that they're doing well, when things are going well for them. I could be talking to a family member or a close friend and I hear something good happening with them and I could share in their joy. That's the natural joy that any human person can experience. It's a fruit of love. Now, spiritual joy is something more. Spiritual joy is the fruit of the theological virtue of charity. Uh, It's the charity love of God. So when I am living love of God well, I can experience joy. Uh, It's experienced through our sharing in God's goodness. Uh, Hence, to the the extent that we're living our lives participating in God's goodness. We're, We're practicing virtue. We're growing in holiness. We're imitating Christ. We're living like God, where we're taking on his qualities and characteristics, then to that extent, we can experience a deep abiding spiritual joy. Uh, And I think what's crucial here is that, so yes, it flows from this love of God, but no matter what may be happening in our lives, even if we're facing difficulties and challenges and suffering, we can still experience spiritual joy through the love of God. If we really love God and we're living the way God wants us to live, because if we're drawn close to the Lord, when we're close to him, we can experience great joy even in the midst of great stresses, great trials, great sufferings. You know, here I, I think of someone like Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, you may know, experienced great spiritual darkness for decades. Not just for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but for years and years and years and years all throughout her work with the Missionaries of Charity. For many decades, she experienced great interior darkness where she didn't feel close to God. There wasn't a, a warm, fuzzy feeling when she went into prayer. She didn't. She's many times wondering, where is God? But yet she showed up every day and she went to Mass and she did her holy hours. She did her rosary. She did her devotions. But there wasn't a, a, a strong emotional feeling of closeness to God within her. And yet, she radiated so much joy to this world. Do you remember all those pictures of Mother Teresa? You always see her smiling. Now, what was going on in the midst of interior darkness, in the midst of feeling abandoned by God, as she writes about? She nevertheless, she loved God. 
and she was in fact very close to him in the in that uh, in that way. I'm going to do a podcast later on about Mother Teresa and the spiritual darkness, so we we can talk about that another time. But the point I want to make is that she nevertheless radiated joy that flowed from her authentic love for God, because we know that love goes far beyond feelings. It's not just about my feelings for the person, but am I really committed to them? Am I serving them? Mother had no feelings, but yet she was committed and she served God with all her heart and she radiated amazing joy. And we're called to do the same. I think of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Think about what Mary was going through in these days of Christmas. You know, we many times just think of Mary as, oh, wow, you know, she was the mother of the Messiah. Things were easy. She's probably just really happy. And they, they only got hard on Good Friday. Then that's when all the suffering came. But no, that's not the case. From the very beginning of this child's life, she's experiencing great turmoil because she has to pick up and move in the middle of her last trimester, go down to this distant land that's not her home. She's going down to Bethlehem. And when she gets there, there's no place to, to give birth to this child that's a, a good place. And she has to put this baby in a manger, a feeding trough for the animals? She's, she's probably wondering, what is this all about? Nine months ago, Gabriel told me that this child was the holy son of God. He's going to be the great king of Israel. He's going to fulfill all those prophecies. And, and he, he enters the world like this? Why is he being treated this way? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had moments when you felt like you weren't being treated well? Or you ever have moments where you are scratch your head wondering, why is this happening? Where's God in all of this? You know, Mary, uh, John Paul II reflects on this, that this was very hard for Mary. Uh, you know, Mary's wondering, why is this child being treated this way? He enters the world with such poverty, humility, uh, rejection. I mean, the only people that come out to welcome the, the newborn king are some lowly shepherds. And then eventually some magi come, these Gentiles later on. But the, where are the chief priests? Where are the Pharisees? Where are all the Sadducees? Where's all the rulers of the age? Like, no one, none of them come out. And she's wondering, I thought he's supposed to be the great king. Why is this happening? You may have moments like that where you're wondering, why is this happening? Maybe it's some problem at work. Maybe it's something going on with one of your kids. Maybe it's a certain relationship that, that is that is puzzling you or has let you someone's let you down. Maybe you're experiencing some health issues or financial troubles, whatever it might be. Oh, what do we do in those moments? We need to respond like Mary if we want to maintain joy. Uh, I want to share with you one little insight that I shared with um, the, the marriage retreat up in Canada this weekend. It's about how Mary is described as responding to these trials at the nativity. Like as it comes in Luke 2.19, she's described as keeping all these things and pondering them in her heart. What does that mean? To keep and to ponder describes someone in the Bible who experiences something mysterious. They don't know what it means, but if they're mulling it over, they're thinking about it and wondering, what is the message for me? What does this mean for my life? And that's what Mary's doing. Mary, it's as if she's praying to God when she's keeping and pondering, saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me here? And we as Christians should have confidence that no matter what may be happening in our lives, that, that God can, 
can bring good out of that and do something good on the inside of my life. I might not be able to control my finances or this health situation or what's happening with this family member or what's going on at the at my workplace. I might not be able to control all things, all those things. But the one thing I should have confidence in on the inside is that God could use those things out there to bring some good inside, that maybe God's allowing me to experience these challenges because he wants me to grow in patience, or maybe he wants me to grow in generosity. Maybe he wants me to grow in trust, because I don't know how this is all going to work out, and he's wanting me just to surrender more to him. Maybe God is allowing me to experience this a little bit of suffering, so I grow in humility, or, or maybe I grow in greater compassion on other people. So as Christians, no matter what's happening on the outside of our lives, we should have confidence that God can bring something good on the inside. And I think that's the message of Mary here. Mary was called to rejoice at the Annunciation. She experiences all these sufferings at the birth of Jesus. But then the shepherds come. And remember what the shepherds tell her? They, they tell her all that the, that the angels had told them. And what did the angels announce? Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Mary would hear those words about joy again, and she would remember her call to joy, and she would keep and ponder, and she would turn to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? Why did my son enter this world in this way? And, and then through this process of keeping and pondering, she would come to see that Jesus enters the world with poverty, humility, and suffering and rejection because that's how he's going to leave this world. He is the great king. He is the holy son of God. But he's going to establish his kingdom, his reign, and his glory, not through worldly means and military might and political power. He's going to do this through suffering, rejection, humility on Good Friday. And Mary's already getting a taste of the cross right here in Bethlehem. And as she keeps and ponders, it helps her to maintain her joy in the midst of a very puzzling situation. Why did the Son of God enter the world this way? Why does I have to put this baby in the manger? That would be hard for any mom to, 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 to have her child in those austere conditions, but especially a mom who knows that her child is the Messiah. And so... This is a way for Mary to maintain joy, and it's a good way for us as well. So in these closing weeks of Advent, as we approach the Christmas season, when you face that stressful long line at the grocery store, or you have a, a tense situation with one of your family members, uh, or uh, something's just going wrong uh, at work, or you get sick and you know the, the dinner doesn't turn out well. What just whatever may be happening, you can still maintain joy. Did you know that? Uh, be like Mary. Pause for a moment and keep and ponder and ask the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And if you do that, you can truly live Gaudate. Rejoice. Well. I hope this was helpful for you, and I, I'm going to ask once again, if if you haven't done so already, if, if you enjoy these podcasts, if you could write a review for it, that would be wonderful. You can review it there on iTunes, and I know that that just helps to get it out to more people the more reviews there are, so I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, please know that you are in my prayers as we are approaching the final days before Christmas, and I ask if you could please pray for me and my family, pray that we all maintain our joy in this season of Advent. God bless.